You know, about a month ago, I'm pretty sure I got to share with you that I I got to drive the van for the all-girls Devo and, and, and take a bunch of the girls, you know, from the church building to our house and back and and it was so much fun for me hearing them sing at the top of their lungs all their favorite Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> a lot of fun. I got to do it again yesterday. I got to drive the church van for all the girls again yesterday. And I got to tell you, we got some awesome parents here. Because yesterday those girls were singing Ice Ice Baby. So they're obviously being <laughs> raised right uh, in their in their musical choice, and so it was uh, at least a lot of fun for me to get to drive them and listen to him, listen to them, hear them laughing and talking, and it's just it's a good thing, man. It's wonderful things. Uh, on a hillside, countryside, you'll find the resting place of Arabella Young. Now I don't know if Arabella was famous in her life, but since her death. She has become rather infamous, we'll say, for what her family had inscribed on her tombstone. On her tombstone read these words, Beneath this sod, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. (laughs) Some of y'all will get that later in the day. All right? Now, when it comes to holding our tongue and the matters of holding our tongue, we laugh because it's true, and we laugh because we know how how very hard it is, how how challenging it can be to, to hold our tongue the way that we know that we should. But we also know, hopefully we understand as we looked at last week, that when it comes to to our tongue, when it comes to controlling the words, whether the words we speak or the words we write, it is a discipline that, that we should strive to master because it is a part of our spiritual growth. And if we want to continue to grow in the Lord the way He wants us to, then mastery over our words, again, whether it's spoken or written, becomes a very important thing for us to consider. We looked at these words last week in James chapter 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. That word perfect, remember we looked at this last week, that word perfect means complete, to reach a point of uh, maturity. And so... Controlling our tongue, working toward maturing our tongue, becomes a very, very important thing to do. And while it's understandable for us, like we get that it's an important thing, I also think it's important for us to understand that it is not humanly possible. It is not humanly possible for us to tame our tongue. When I was a boy, I remember going to the circus one time. And I don't remember much about that circus aside from seeing this. If you've ever been to a circus and you've seen someone do this, you were probably just as astounded as I was as a little boy to see someone walk up and be able to put their head into the mouth of a lion. I mean, I was astounded by that. Like, how could anyone be so We'll call it brave, right? Like, like, how could anyone be so brave that, that they could even think, you know what I think I could do? <laughs> I think I could tame the king of the jungle and I, I could make him be still while I put my mouth or my head into his mouth and I don't think I'm going to be his next meal. That's astounding. 
when it comes to all of the, the beasts of this world, mankind has tamed the beasts of this world. When it comes to the beast that resides behind our teeth and our lips, unfortunately, we have not done nearly as good of a job. We, we haven't tamed that beast the way that we should. Going back to our text in James chapter 3, there beginning of verse 7, James would write, For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature, they can be tamed, has been tamed by mankind. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That word restless, that's an interesting word to me. When I think of that word restless, I think of a, a picture such as this. I think of that lion pacing back and forth behind a cage. That cage that he's behind, well, it somewhat controls him. It, it keeps him from pouncing, but it doesn't take away his desire from pouncing, does it? And, and if by chance that barrier were to be removed, he would do what he naturally does. And he would make a very quick and devastating meal out of his prey. There are moments, there are moments we do okay. We do. We, we feel like we're in control. It, it's been a while since we've slipped up. We hadn't, we hadn't smarted off. We haven't said the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way in quite a while. And we feel like maybe finally, just finally, we, we've got a hold of this little beast that again resides behind our teeth and our lips. And then just like that, man, I mean, out of nowhere seemingly, as much as to our own personal surprise, as oftentimes those that we are attacking or lashing out at, it happens. We, we didn't plan on it. We weren't necessarily intending for it to happen. We, we weren't even always consciously thinking and going, okay, you bet. All right, now I'm about to say something. I am about to let it fly. Well, unfortunately, we you usually don't think that long, do we? It's just boom! It's there. And, and why do we know that it happens that way? Well, number one, we've all been victims of it. Somebody somewhere along the way has lashed out at all of us that way. Number two, we're all guilty of it. Every one of us, if, if we're beyond a certain age, every one of us at some point in our life, maybe even this morning getting ready to come to church, every one of us have lashed out in ways where we knew in the moment we shouldn't have. Whether it was to a spouse, a child, or that referee that didn't quite meet our expectations, right? I mean, like, we have, we have all lashed out at somebody for something in ways that we knew we shouldn't have. And oftentimes we go, my bad. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know where that came from. Now, by the way, it's good to apologize. It's good to apologize quickly in those moments. Uh, but I think it's also important to understand that once it's said, it's said. Like the apology is necessary. The apology should be heartfelt. But the reality, beyond the apology, the reality is we cannot unsay what we've said. We just can't. The only way we can unsay what we've said is to not say it in the first place. <laughs> that is the only way. Once we've said it, we've said it. And once it's been said, it hurts. And the reason that it hurts is because our tongue is full of deadly poison. Wow. That, that's, that's pretty uh, extreme, right? Well, James wants us to understand that when it comes to our words, our words are very important. 
and how we use our words, very, very important to God. And we say, what's that big deal? It's just words, right? I mean, a lot of times, even sometimes when we're taught when we're growing up, because maybe we've got our feelings hurt and, and we're trying to teach a kid to, to not feel so bad when somebody says something to him. We say, look, it's just words, sticks and stones. They break my bones. Words can never hurt me. That is a lie. Words can not only hurt you, they can destroy you. Remember, just last week we saw that what? Life and death, the power of life and death are in the power of what? Words. So words are very, very powerful. And James wants us to understand how very powerful that they can be. How deadly they can be. The wrong word, spoken at the wrong time, spoken in the wrong tone. It can destroy anybody. It it can destroy a marriage. It can destroy a congregation. It can destroy a family relationship. It, It can destroy a nation. That's the power of words. And that's why it's so important that we're aware of how God has described these words to us in His Word. So that we're more careful. I mean, mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how much better this world of ours would be if every tongue was tamed? Can you? Think about that for a moment. Think about... This, this wonderful nation of ours, which is an amazing place to live. Think about how much better it would be if every tongue in our nation was tamed. Can you even imagine what that would be like? Can you think of what, what it would be like if every tongue in this congregation were tamed? Can you even imagine what your household would be like? Your home life. What would your family be like if every tongue in that family were tamed. It'd be a lot better, wouldn't it? There'd be a lot more building up than tearing down, wouldn't there? There would be a lot more giving of life than death. Everything would be a lot better if everybody's tongues were tamed. You say, hold on, Blake, didn't you just say it is not humanly possible to tame the tongue? Some of us, that is our like get out of jail free card, right? Like we want to hold on to that. We say, well, I, I can't tame the tongue. The Bible says so. Therefore, I should be able to say whatever I want to say when I want to say it. No, <laughs> that is not the reality. What I said was, no human is capable of taming the tongue. But you know what I see all throughout Scripture? It's the same thing you see. That that which is impossible for man is possible for God. And just like every other fleshly desire, every other humanly thing that we struggle with, God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able and and grow, to be able to work beyond those things so that our behavior, all the way down to our words, our behavior will be more and more aligned with the will of God. You know, so often... When, when people, when they become Christians, so often the, the first most noticeable change is what? It's, it's their speech. You ever, you ever been around somebody who is a new Christian? It's, it's amazing to see. It's, it's a beautiful transformation to watch. And, and it's not just those of us in Christ who see this transformation. It's, it's people they work with, you work with. It's, it's people that you're at home with. There's a change in your speech. 
You remember that, right? Your language became different. The demeaning words weren't so frequent. The, the, the gossip wasn't a part of who you were. Those, those cuss words, those dirty jokes, none of those things were a part of your, your, your language anymore. And, and people around you, they begin to notice that. And, and maybe they asked you why, why you're different. When, when did you stop laughing at this? Or when did you start ta- stop talking about that? And that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, listen, our language, the way we speak, our words, if, if, if it is no different than those who are still outside of Christ, we really have to begin to question if we've really submitted our life to the will of Christ. Let's go back to our text here in James chapter 1 and verse 26. There James wrote, if, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, now let that sink in just for a moment. All these wonderful things that we have done here so far today. We, we've come together and, and we've sang praises to God and and, and we've been able to go before the very throne of God in prayer. And we've heard Scripture read. And, and we've communed, we've fellowshiped with each other and with God as we partook of the Lord's Supper, as we do each Lord's Day. It's wonderful, isn't it? That's why we're here. Yeah. But if moving forward, if Monday through Saturday, if my words still continue to do nothing but set fires and serve as a poison, then all of this is its worthless. It's worthless. That's not me. That's what the Bible tells us. That, that this is all in vain if our words continue to hurt, continue to destroy instead of give life. And, and you know, God's not the only one that notices the hypocrisy And God's not the only one who notices the worthlessness. Kids do. uh, Spouses who may be weak in the faith or have left the faith or have never come to the faith, they notice that a person that you work with who's not a believer, they all notice. They they notice and they they have a really hard time taking us seriously whenever we do try to invite them to church or or we do try to speak about Jesus they, they have a hard time taking us seriously because of the way that they know we speak. The way that, that we just verbal vomit on everybody around us and, and we just fly off the handle at everybody and everything. And then it makes that message of grace, man, it, it really, really makes it seem worthless. That's why it becomes so important. We try to be very careful with our words. So we need the Spirit of God to help us. We, we need the Spirit of God to help us desperately because again, we cannot do it on our own. I cannot do this on my own, neither can you. No human being can tame the tongue. But with the help of God, all things are possible. So then how do we do it? Where, where do we start? Well, I think the best place to start, the best place to start is to ask for help. Specifically, we need to ask God for help. You know, before our feet hit the ground in the morning, I know that this is a prayerful church, man, and I'm thankful for that. 
Well, let me let me add this to, I'm sure, an always growing prayer list that you have. But before you, your feet even hit the floor tomorrow morning, maybe all of us need to say, God, take my words, take my tongue. Control what I say today because I don't want to say or do anything that would go against what you want me to say or do. So Lord, I need to surrender my words to you. Because if we don't surrender our words, or even if we try to, you're going to find the same thing that I find every day. And that is every single day, all of us are faced with countless temptations for our words to be anything but holy. Starts first thing in the morning, doesn't it? You're running late. Boom! Those angry words come out. You, you're just trying to get the kids to school on time. And, and you got that one person, that one parent. Now, man, you don't know why they feel the need to carry on a conversation with a parent in the other car. Or maybe they're carrying on a random conversation with a teacher. And they're slowing up the whole car line. And what is that temptation? That temptation is to let those angry words fly. Because they are frustrating you. Or, or maybe it's a little later in the day when you're at lunch and when you get together at lunch with some of your coworkers and there's some really juicy gossip that y'all want to talk about about one of the other coworkers that nobody likes anyway. Or maybe it's a, a little bit later in the day than even that when your boss comes to you and your boss asks about that project that you've been over, but you know things aren't going very well with that project, so you're tempted to lie to your boss because you don't want your boss to know right now that things aren't going exactly the way that they should be, and so you're very tempted to lie about that. Or maybe it's even later in the day when you've just been seeing online post after online post by someone that you completely disagree with, and I mean you are loaded and ready for bear. You are about to just be a, a verbal bazooka and drop that bomb on them. Wow, that's a lot. But that's only touching the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? So how do we keep from being a verbal flamethrower? How how do we make sure that the words that we speak and that we write are what God would want them to be? We ask Him for His help. We have prayers, prayers on our hearts, on our lips, prayers in his word. One of those prayers written read for us very beautifully just a moment ago here in Psalm 141 and verse 3. Maybe you read 19 and verse 14. But Psalm 141 and verse 3, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Psalm 19 and verse 14, let, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please, God, take control of my mouth. Take, take control of my words. Take control of my thoughts. I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. Secondly, we need to ask other people for help. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Where there is no guidance, uh, people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, if we had time to open up to that text, what you would see in the verses preceding that, uh, you see that it's, it's talking about people who are speaking bad of their neighbor. It's talking about slander. And then it leads to this passage in verse 14, which shows us that even as leaders have a need for advisors, for counselors, Well, if we're going to overcome the entrapment of our words, we need those around us that we can turn to. 
that will hold us accountable. We all need people in our life that, that can give us those maybe nonverbal cues to say, hey Blake, it's time to hush. <laughs> you know, like, like you're about to go a little too far. And, and if you don't pull it back right about now, you, you're gonna, you're gonna go further than you intend to go with this, and you're gonna hurt somebody, or you're gonna hurt yourself. Like we all need somebody in our life that'll help rein us in. Every, every one of us do. And when it comes to the words that we write, whether it be a, a, an email, text, whatever it may be, if it's something that's rather sensitive in nature, let someone that you trust read it before you hit send. Because once you hit send, there's no bringing that back, man. It is out there for whoever to see. And don't you think that if you send something to a person, well, they won't show anybody what I said. Please, you ever seen screenshots? Click, click. Everybody's going to get to see what you wrote. Well, it was private. It was just between me and them. Nope, it won't be. Especially if you're ugly in it. They'll let people know. So let someone you trust, let someone you love look at it and go, you know what, I, I don't think you probably need to say this exactly this way. There's, there's probably a better way to communicate what you're trying to communicate. I personally have found that when I'm stressed out about something, my words, they become short, sharp, and ugly, as well as a little bit sarcastic and condescending. So I have to be very careful. Very, very careful. But we all do. And that's why it becomes so important that we reach out to someone that we trust and love who can help rein us in whenever it comes to our tongue. We also need to strive to see people correctly. Let's go back to our text for a second. James writes in verse 9, With it we bless our Lord and Father. With it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Now, we don't really know what all is happening in the church of Jerusalem as James is writing this. We just know there's some problems going on. Um, But if you've ever been around church folk, I'm sure we can all imagine what was probably happening, various scenarios. I mean, much like us, I'm sure each Lord's Day, the church there in Jerusalem, they they gathered. They gathered together somewhere because they, they wanted to be with one another. They wanted to worship God. I'm sure they sang. I'm sure they took communion. I'm sure they talked about the impact that Jesus had made on their life. I'm sure they they got up and someone probably read from the scrolls. Maybe they read Isaiah and and some of the prophecies of Isaiah talking about the the coming Messiah. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I I can only imagine that that first century church, specifically this church in Jerusalem, doing wonderful things. But then as as soon as that last amen was said, what happened? Well, one little group went off over here and uh, they were all gossiping with each other about something else that's happening. You know, some, some of that juicy gossip that they just can't wait to share with, with this little group of friends. And Well, and then over here toward the back, you know, somebody's not real happy about something that's going on. And so they're getting it off their chest. And in the process of really getting it off their chest, they drop some very choice words, you know, that everybody's ears pick up on. And several of them go to lunch afterwards. And man, I mean, when they're at lunch together, they don't do anything but criticize everything. I I mean, anything and anybody they don't like, whether it was at church, within the government at the time, uh, maybe at their workplace, maybe within their 
family circle, maybe within their friend circle, maybe the very servers who were serving them at the restaurant. I mean, there was nobody who was safe from their complaining and criticizing spirit. It was everywhere. And James would say, brothers, if that's y'all, that needs to stop. And, And it needs to stop now. And one of the only ways that you'll probably be able to rein that tongue in is when you finally begin to see people the way they are. And how does James remind us people are? They're all made in the likeness of God. Every one of them. The people that are your brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah, we're all made in the image of God. The people who are outside of Christ, yeah, they're made in the image of God. The, the people who are trying to do what's right, made in the image of God. The people who are as far from God as you think is humanly possible, made in the image of God. The people who think just like you think, made in the image of God. The people who think nothing like you think, made in the image of God. And until we begin to see them that way and understand that they're made in the image of God, made in His likeness, we'll probably never reign in the tongue the way that we need to. We need to deal with our heart issues, whatever those heart issues may be. You see, the reason our heart issues play a part in our tongue and our words is because whatever's in our heart, well, whatever's in our heart is going to come out of our mouth. And, and James wrote this for us in James 3, beginning of verse 11. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a, a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Jesus said it much more directly in Matthew 15 and verse 18. He said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. You say, I don't know where that came from. I have never thought that word, said that word in my life. I have no idea where that came from. It came from your heart. Whether you want to acknowledge it and admit it or not, that's where it came from. Garbage in, garbage out, man. You let it in from somewhere. Jesus said those things that we go, I don't know where it came from. It came from you. Satan must have made me say it. No. It came from you. It came from your heart. That's why it becomes so important that we're testing our heart. Asking ourselves some heart questions sometimes. Here's a couple quick ones. Is there unresolved pain in your heart? Listen, if there is any unresolved pain in your heart, you can pretend it's not there. You can try to suppress it. You, you can try to push it down and act like that, that whatever happened never happened and act like that, that heart issue, that pain isn't there. You, you can do that if you want to. But understand that if you do, as long as those issues of the heart are there, you will never be able to reign in your tongue. Because your heart is broken. And a heart that's broken doesn't bless lives. A heart that's broken usually hurts those who are around them. Second quick question is this. Are there insecurities in your life? You see, people who are insecure, people who carry about baggage of insecurities, um, they'll boast, they'll gossip, they'll lie. Why do they do those things? 
Well, they do those things in a very feeble effort of building themselves up. And, and the reason they're trying to build themselves up is they want you to think more of them than what they really think of themselves. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it not only hurts ourselves, but it hurts other people in the process. And so as long as there are issues of the heart, and as long as if there are insecurities within us, our tongue, our words, they will never be the consistent blessing to the lives of others that they should be. I know it's not easy to work on matters of the heart. It's challenging. None of us like to dig that deep. But it's a part of, it's a part of getting rain over these words. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe there's something I've talked about today that maybe it touches your heart. Maybe as a child of God, you've been really struggling with your words. Maybe that's something you'd like for your church family to pray with you and for you about. Ask God for His help. Allow us to help you. Realize that the people around you, everybody, that everyone is made in the image of God, just like you. And that if there are some of those deep-rooted heart issues, work on those things. It won't be overnight. It takes time. But every day making progress is better than not. It's better than being trapped in our our past. Maybe you've never obeyed the Gospel and, and you need to do that today. You need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen, the water's ready if you are. We can help in any way. Won't you come as we stand and sing?